The Start On Demand. On Demand. The province is cutting the PST to 7%. That was the big news to come out of Thursday's provincial budget. We've got all sorts of reaction for you to hear. It's International Women's Day. We'll celebrate the women in our lives, and we'll meet Manitoba women in construction. Also of note, McNabb was only partly with us today because she was hosting a Habitat for Humanity event at the Convention Centre for International Women's Day. We challenge the CJOB Morning Show with these tough questions. That's what we got from the makers of a local app called Trap Spy after the discussion earlier this week about alerts from Google Maps concerning radar cameras. So we answer those tough questions. I'm Brett McGarry. Alongside Greg Mackling and Loren McNabb, we are Mackling, McGarry and McNabb. And this is the Friday, March 8th podcast for The Start. Mackling, McGarry, and McNabb, sort of. International Women's Day today. So we kicked our female host out of the room. <laughs> no, that's not what happened. <laughs> Let's not start any rumors uh, untoward towards ourselves here, Brett. Yeah, uh, Loren every year hosts a breakfast. She is an MC uh, that celebrates women's achievements. Uh, this year it's for Habitat for Humanity. Dana Spiring will be the featured speaker. So Loren will join us off and on throughout the morning on this very large day. And let's face it, Loren had a monster day yesterday covering not only our show, Yesterday morning, but yesterday afternoon with Richard Cloutier co-anchoring post-budget reaction from the Manitoba legislature. Yep, so we're, she's going to join us actually in, in our next segment. She will join us at 6.45 and we will hear from her throughout the morning as she hosts this breakfast at RBC Convention Centre. And as Greg mentioned, she was part of the post-budget coverage And here's what the politicians had to say about the budget, beginning with the announcement from Minister of Finance, Scott Fielding. Effective July 1st, we are reducing the PST to 7%. We are delighted to fall through on our election commitment. We campaigned hard on it, and it's a big plaque of our campaign. It's good public policy, and it'll take money where it deserves it most, on the kitchen table of households right across the province. The PST cut means uh, more than $300 million in annual savings to Manitobans and businesses. We think this is the right thing to do. Uh, We're keeping our promise and we're doing it at the right time for the right reasons. Our budget's designed to uh, give Manitobans a break because they need a break, uh, but also to prepare for the future as well. Our projections show we're slightly ahead of schedule to balance by the end of the second term. That's good news for Manitobans. When the PST was raised a few years back, I was against the move. I criticized it at the time. But now that it's in place, I think Manitobans have to ask themselves, if that tax is going to be reduced, you're going to end up saving maybe 10 cents when you go out to buy lunch. Is that worth paying 100 bucks more on your hydro bill? since Pallister took office? Is that worth losing emergency rooms in the city of Winnipeg? Is that worth a $120 million cut to health care? I suspect a lot of Manitobans are going to say no. They list uh, some pretty substantive uh, numbers in the budget for the city of Winnipeg, uh, which are uh, our IOUs, existing commitments. Um, what they haven't done is uh, identify or indicate that they are going to fill the provincial hole in the 2018 uh, roads budget for the city of Winnipeg. Once again, they've identified uh, a ceiling for provincial supports for infrastructure in the city of Winnipeg. What they haven't identified is what the floor is. And we learned uh, the hard way uh, with our budget last year, uh, the challenges when you, you don't have that funding certainty. 
That is Finance Minister Scott Fielding, Premier Brian Pallister, Opposition Leader Wab Canoe, and the last voice you heard, Winnipeg Mayor Brian Bowman, on yesterday's budget announcement from the provincial government. Thank you to Tristan Field-Jones, Diana Foxall, everyone behind the scenes here at 680 CGOB yesterday to bring all the information, to get all the reaction, collect it, and deliver it to you succinctly. This morning, we will hear more reaction on yesterday's budget, we want to hear from you. Get your reaction to not only the 1% reduction in the PST, but the other items in the budget and some of the things that aren't in the budget. Shoot us a text, 204-780-6868. As we make our way through the morning, we will get reaction from the Canadian Taxpayer Federation, the Canadian Federation of Students, Manitoba Heavy Construction Association, Manitoba Trucking Association, and many others. It would seem, Brett... That the war of philosophy and words between the city of Winnipeg and province of Manitoba may become a one-way conversation, at least publicly. We have a commitment to keep Winnipeg as generously funded, as unconditionally funded as any city in the country. They have a great, great arrangement, and I'm committed to keeping it that way, but I will not anymore do anything but turn the cheek on the mayor's comments. The Premier insists the budget was good news for Mayor Brian Bowman and the City of Winnipeg. Look, it's a good day for Manitoba. It's a great day for the City of Winnipeg, too. The Mayor just didn't say it. He's going to say what he wants to say. I'm not interested in having spats publicly with the Mayor. We'll have our spats private. Yesterday's budget came with plenty of answers for the financial picture for the province over the next 12 months. It also creates for some a less clear political future, as many wonder if we are on the brink of a provincial election call. Premier Pallister answered that question, and we will hear his reaction to the speculation on the other side of weather. And Loren McNabb will join us for that conversation as well. And you mentioned the Taxpayers Federation. They sat in this studio yesterday morning saying it would be like Christmas Day, and indeed we heard their reaction. Todd McKay, Prairie Director, yesterday, he was just elated and he's so excited, he wants to pop by again this morning. So. Will he come on his brand new bicycle that he found under the Christmas tree yesterday? That was the correlation that he made. Hoping for the bicycle, wasn't sure if he'd get it or not. Well, he got it. I want to know if there's streamers on the handlebars. He's going to join us at 7.07. We'll ask him if he put, what was it, he put playing cards in the spokes? <laughs> yeah, some some of my friends were silly enough to put hockey cards and, and realized 25 years later, oh, that was worth about $300 eventually. <laughs> Mackling, McGarry, and McNabb on location. McNabb, are you there? I am. Can you hear me? <laughs> are you, you're awake. <laughs> I'm awake, but I had such a busy day yesterday covering the provincial budget that I woke up this morning and realized I got all the way home without my winter coat. So how I did that is beyond me. So someone is wandering around at the Manitoba Legislative Building imitating you and in, in your terrific... That's right. Is it your burgundy uh, overcoat? No, I got the burgundy. I forgot the actual winter coat. I don't know how I would drive home in that cold without it. But man, there was so much going on down there yesterday, guys, that it, it, was, uh, it was a pretty intense, incredible day, depending on which side you're sitting on. Yeah, and you know what? There are two views on the sales tax cut announced by Finance Minister Scott Fielding and the provincial government yesterday. Well, many, of course, are celebrating the KEP campaign promise. Some are wondering if it is worth it to take over $300 million out of the government coffers this point in time. Here's NDP leader Wab Canoe. When the PST was raised a few years back, I was against the move. I criticized it at the time. But now that it's in place, I think Manitobans have to ask themselves, 
if that tax is going to be reduced, you're going to end up saving maybe 10 cents when you go out to buy lunch. Is that worth paying 100 bucks more on your hydro bill since Pallister took office? Is that worth losing emergency rooms in the city of Winnipeg? Is that worth a $120 million cut to health care? I suspect a lot of Manitobans are going to say no. Now, we're going to go back to Loren in a moment. But first, the $325 million generated would essentially balance the budget. So what is the motivation for this move right now? Well, yesterday, someone unexpected announcement of this PST reduction by 1% has opened the door to heighten speculation that we are on the verge of a provincial election call in the last week or so. The premier referenced the fixed date and reminded Manitobans that the October 2020 election date, it's kind of like that date stamped on your milk. It's a best before date. Richard Cluche and Loren McNabb with the Premier yesterday pressed him on this public statement, and Richard admitted to fanning the flames a little. We're fueling election speculation here, Premier. Are you willing to go in the next few weeks, next few months? Well, you're fueling election speculation. I'm not. Well, to be fair, a couple of weeks ago, you were asked about that fixed election date, which is October sure. 2020. And, and your line wasn't to say that you're going to that fixed election date. Your line the was that's dead. the drop dead. Well, yeah. So well, are, are you not fueling the debate a bit yourself about whether or not this is going to come up no, early? No, what I'm doing is being transparent and telling you the facts about the law. The law is not that there's an election next October. It's that it has to be before that. So, McNabb, does that, uh, how does that pass your sniff test. Well, I think it's just going to be the line that we hear going forward. In fact, at one point when he was talking to reporters yesterday and they asked more questions about that election, uh, he just refused to answer them. He kind of stood there in silence. So I don't think you're going to hear much from him on that front. But there's more than just the PST, guys. He reduced the PST. He lowered the ambulance fees to 250 He's chipping away at the deficit, as promised. So he's hit some pretty key milestones early in this first term. Some, some would say this is all earlier than expected. And that is really fanning the flames, so to speak. So I I think that their odds are is we might see at an early election call, but um, I'm going to stick with his line and not speculate for today. Now, the budget is forecasting a deficit of $360 million. About $325 million was generated by one percentage point of PST. So we've been hearing for close to a decade that the way forward for Manitoba is a zero deficit budget. They could have essentially balanced the budget yesterday by keeping the PST in place, Loren. So why not do that first before lowering the PST? Yeah, we asked that to both the finance minister and the premier, and he he had a couple of answers on that front. We all know that the carbon tax is coming in April 1st. So in their feeling, they are worried about Manitobans feeling like they're getting hit by a number of fronts on taxes. And so I think they thought they could offer some good news in that budget yesterday by saying, no, we're giving you some money back. It amounts to about $490 for an average family of four by the end of next year. This year, you'll only see half that in the PST reduction. So they're, they're using that, I think, as a tool to say, well, we're not raising taxes. We're actually lowering them to kind of get in your good books. And then there's another thing too, that they really feel like they're ahead of schedule and they have their fiscal house in order and that they can set the stage and manage this. We did ask about a flood. There could be a flood this year, which could cost them hugely. And they're putting away that money or pulling that money out of their coffers and putting it back into the families of Manitobans. The premier says they have extra money there. They've got a rainy day fund. They feel like they're in good shape, but they did definitely go early on this one. So we will talk about this a little bit later as we uh... Uh, make our way through the morning, but cannabis revenue, there is a line item uh, for the expenses in implementing and bringing in and introducing legalized cannabis in Manitoba, but there is no revenue 
line item. We'll talk about that, discuss the implications, why that is, etc. as we make our way through the start. Loren, we'll catch up with you in a bit. Sounds good. Thanks, Greg. Just before we bring everyone in here, got to tell you uh, some bad news in case you missed Julie uh, giving a little tidbit earlier this hour. It's time change weekend. It's the bad one. Thanks for ruining my day. Clocks go ahead one hour on Sunday morning for daylight saving time. Hooray. Yeah. Yeah. Now, this should be the end of it. That should be that. And just leave it? Just leave it there? I don't know. i got to investigate if this is the one I want to leave it on or not. Jeff Braun's here. (laughs) Kelly Moore is here. Jeff Forte and Loren McNabb joining us from RBC Convention Center. She is the host, the MC of the Women Build Speaker Series with Habitat for Humanity Manitoba. Dana Spiring is president and CEO, Economic Development Winnipeg. She's the featured speaker. And Loren, we're talking about International Women's Day right now. And let's start with you. What does this day mean to you? I don't know. It means a lot of things to me, guys. Like, I think a lot about, I think you used the word earlier, Brett, about celebrating. And I think that is really what it is. I mean, we're gathering in a room this morning with all these women who work really hard in various careers in their lives to uh, rise above and be strong for their work and their family. And then we're also at this event, which is about teaching women how to build homes and work in the construction industry, which is still a heavily male-dominated industry. And so I think about all these things coming together on this day, and I think it's about just looking around the room and looking at the women in your life and saying, hey, man, you're doing a really great job, but also what can we do to kind of help each other rise a little higher, do a little better, be a little more present in all sorts of different industries in this world? Well, we're going to speak, actually, with Manitoba Women in Construction at 7.45 to t- learn about some of the challenges that they are facing. Mackling, uh, who do you want to celebrate? Well, you know, I can't help but think about um, my friend Wendy, who in grade two said, why can't girls play hockey with the boys at Isaac Brock and demanded to play with us in House League Hockey. Uh, my friend Krista, who did the same thing at a higher level of hockey several years later, she was as good as many of the boys on the team that ended up being her team, but she was in the news for off and on for a month as uh, Winnipeg Minor Hockey sorted out whether or not she'd be allowed to play with the boys of her age. And then I think of my friend Mary Lynn, who who faced a whole ton of criticism because she wanted to work without uh, an under certain undergarment. She didn't want to wear a bra at work. Okay. Okay. I'm not forced to wear an undershirt. Yeah. Right. And and she fought that battle and won that battle. So I think about the 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 strong girls and women along the way who have asked the question. Why does it have to be this way? Why can't it be some way way else? And we could sit here and list all sorts of people who've asked that question and flipped it on its ear. We got a text, uh, 204-780-6868 from Brian, who says, I celebrate my mom and sister, both deceased, but were always strong advocates for women's rights. Mom was until she passed at 98 last year. Ooh. Jeff Braun. Yeah, uh, it's weird you mentioned hockey, uh, Greg, because I was actually watching my girlfriend's son play hockey earlier this week. Grade three kids that are new to it. He just learned how to skate. And then it wasn't exactly 50-50, but it was like 60% boys, 40% girls playing there. And they were all, you know, with both the same skill level, and they were all having a good time. And, of course, that was the important thought. And I was... It, it, Driving to the arena, it never occurred to me that I thought it would just be a bunch of little boys or whatever. And I was like, oh, yeah, it's boys and girls. This is kind of cool. And they, well, they all seem to be enjoying it. 
it's a really great thing about I think what's happening now is like when I growing up, I, there was no women's hockey team. You couldn't, I couldn't play hockey. This didn't exist. And now with my kids, they don't even think about it that there's a girl on their team. She's just a teammate. It's not a female teammate. She's their teammate. And so it gives me great hope that we'll kind of end, eventually end this conversation of oh, there's a woman on the team or there's a woman female anchor or all those kinds of things, right? And I think that's super cool. Kelly? I, uh, you know, I think uh, in a little bit of a broader range uh, in terms of uh, the, the women who last spring came forward uh, to expose the heinous, heinous behavior of the uh, USA gymnastics team doctor, uh, there were some incredible heroes who stepped forth and, uh, and, and put this monster in his place. And also the, the early the early pioneers of the Me Too movement, that took an incredible amount of courage uh, and, and fortitude to be able to get that going and look uh, where that has taken us now. So uh, they're, they're the, you know, other than the women that are directly in my life, uh, they're the ones I kind of think of on a, on a day like today who we should be celebrating and honoring. Brett, what about you? Uh, well, I, I think I would echo Brian's sentiments as well. I want to celebrate my mom who passed uh, in the fall and my, my twin sister. Don't know if you knew I had a twin sister. And I still get the questions, identical twins? Like, <laughs> <laughs> no. No, she is a Mercifully, female. no. <laughs> 14? Um, I'm going to have to say, well, my mother as well, you know, teach me the right way of how to uh, treat a woman properly. She's been amazing. And uh, I'll give a shout out to my friend Alex, who's been my friend since grade seven or eight. So she's put up with me and all my shenanigans. Yeah, <laughs> good. <laughs> L- Loren, uh, just before we run here, I, I just think about the, the different obstacles my mom and my wife and, and lots of women in my life have had to face in terms of the challenge of raising children and being a professional. It's it's a balance. I'm not saying that there aren't some men who take on a lot of the roles. I was a more or less stay-at-home dad for a few years, so I lived that a little bit. But there's a different expectation when it comes to moms and, and the sick days, etc. Can you comment on that in about 15 seconds? Yeah, well, the, the expectation is different. And also, I just think how we talk about one another is different. And it's not just a challenge for women, I think, to um, stay in the workforce if they want to or stay at home if they choose to and not judge one another, but also have the men in their lives be really uh, supportive. And I'm never going to forget the day that I was at work one day when my, I was, my son was only one years old. And one of my male colleagues had said, shouldn't you be at home with your kids at 7 o'clock? And I said, shouldn't you be at your home with your kids? It's 7 o'clock. Like, what is the difference? We're both parents. It has nothing to do with our gender. Let's support each other. And that's that. Mackling and McGarry McNabb is on location. She's at RBC Convention Center. Let's say hello. I'm down at the RBC Convention Center where Habitat for Humanity Manitoba is hosting the Women Build Speaker Series. The Women Build, of course, is such an important program just for empowering women to get involved with the habitat and building homes throughout the year. But of course, this is a really special day and I'm joined by Michelle Pereira, who's with Habitat for Humanity. Hugs abound on International Women's Day. I know you and I are huggers, but there's a real celebratory mood in this room this morning. You know, celebrating women in the leadership role or whatever that looks like for one we're so excited to be part of it on this very special day there's tons of events going on all around the city and we have about 130 women and men coming here today to celebrate International Women's Day 
We have a special speaker, Dana Spiring, and, and the, the goal here is to sort of, I think, inspire others by what really great women have been doing in our community. Yeah, Dana has an amazing career. She's the first woman to be named chair of the Winnipeg Blue Bombers board. I mean, that's a pretty exciting thing, and it actually got announced shortly after we announced, or just before we announced that she was speaking with us. Um, you know, she is in a male-dominant industry, which lots of women in leadership are, and it's exciting to see uh, what she's done with her career, and I can't wait to hear what she says. And uh, and then we have the Womenville family here today with her three teenage daughters, and I think, you know, seeing women who are leaders and, and confident and everything was only going to make them want to be that when they grow up. Well said. Michelle Pereira with Habitat for Humanity. We're down here at the Women Build Speakers Series presented by Qualico at the RBC Convention Centre. Back to you guys. Thank you very much, Loren McNabb. And in studio with us, we have two women on this International Women's Day from Manitoba Women in Construction. We have Sue Lee, who is chair of Manitoba Women in Construction and project manager with Marwest Construction Limited, and Kayla Gervais, who is membership director for Manitoba Women in Construction and project coordinator with Boxstall Construction. Sue and Kayla, good morning to you. Good morning. Good morning. So, Sue, you reached out to us a couple of weeks ago, and you said, hey, International Women's Day is coming up. Yep. Can we come in to talk about some of the challenges and that we face. So why don't we start there? Challenges that women face in construction. Uh, well, the biggest problem I think we're facing with is uh, there's not enough of us in the industry. Everybody talk about there's a shortage of women in the industry. And we represent 50% of the populations. And seems to having uh, women joining the industries and people retaining the industry, people, there's always women leaving the industry. We can't seem to figure out why. <laughs> Any guesses, Kayla, as to why women leave the industry uh, when they when they enter it and, and spend some time in it? Yeah, I think the word on the street is that you need to have thick skin to be in the construction industry. But I don't think that that's something that uh, Sue and I really think that should be a requirement in the industry. Yeah. Um, we want to welcome everybody, all females, into the industry, um, whether you have thick skin or not. Do yeah. you need thick skin, though? Oh, no. No, I think most of us, like the group of us, Manitoba Women Construction, all the volunteers, we are a bunch of alpha female. You need to be alpha female. You got to be the, the bossy one, which I think most women are, though. But I think women have the, the they think that you got to have to carry a tool. You got to be strong. You got to be buff to, to work in the construction. I don't think it's the case. Like we got like a whole group, like we have finance manager, we got HR managers, we got project manager, coordinator, few engineers. There's so many different varieties. I just think that we don't advertise enough that, hey, come and join us. It's a great industry. Like, it pays good, pays well, and it's a great, a great achievement when you finish building a project, when you lead a group of people and finish a project. So it just needs to get a word out of so you're a project coordinator, Kayla, and maybe you can tell us a little bit of what what that entails and why is it why is it so rewarding for you? So project coordinator or field coordinator, some companies call it, um, means that you are between the office, between the site. You're doing some day to day management, uh, supporting both your site superintendent, your trades on site, and your project manager. Um, for me, it's really rewarding to get to play that middle management role where you're between site um, and the office. You're managing some of the budget aspects of the project, getting to help out the client as well, um, and then being on site and getting to deal with issues that might arise 
between drawings or the trades on site, being able to um, have that leadership role and inspire those trades to stay on schedule, to stay on budget. So you're a little bit of a liaison to a certain extent between yeah, a, diff- a, bunch of, a bunch of different groups. Mm-hmm. Do you ever find that you you have to justify yourself, like as people question you because you're a woman involved in construction? There has definitely been times when you show up on site and you notice that you might not have the full respect of someone who's been in a leadership role on your site. Maybe it's a trade that the foreman's been on in construction for you know forty years already and isn't used to seeing a female running um, in a leadership role on their site. So there has been times, um, but as soon as they see that you are willing to learn, maybe you admit that you don't know everything yet because you've only been in the construction industry for a few years. But as soon as they see you're willing to learn um, and that you do have passion behind what you're doing, it usually becomes a non-issue. You could see that when you're young, whether you're a man or a woman on a construction oh, site, though, right, Sue? You have yeah. to you have to prove your mettle regardless of your gender. There's no question about that. <laughs> Absolutely. And the thing is, I always say that you ask questions. And you know what? Everybody likes to show off. Everybody likes to show Tell, show the next guy say how to do the thing. So I think by asking questions, be humble. I think that's the most important thing. Don't think that you know it all. Be humble. Whether you're male or female, someone's always willing to help you. Now, Sue, the, the old stereotype of construction is the guys working on the construction site and whistling at the girls as they walk by. That's from days gone by. Oh, yeah. Is but, it just days gone by, though? Uh, not really. Sometimes you still get a few comments, but you know what? Take it with a grain of salt. Look at the, the people that was making the comments and it's like, you know what? I have no time for you. So. <laughs> <laughs> Women can be guilty of that as well. Yeah. yeah. Really? Yeah. yeah. Come so- on, you check out men too. Like, go check out women. Women check out men. It's the same thing. It's like, hey, he's pretty good looking, right? <laughs> well, some of the better commercials over the years have highlighted that fact. So yeah. I, I think that the more that we get over this idea of being different and just Want to be on the same team and a successful project mm-hmm. being the end result and the end goal for everyone will eventually put the, push this aside. But in the meantime, you're asking women, I'm guessing, to consider this as a, a possible uh, vocation choice. or a career choice. That's right. A career choice. It's, it's, it's very rewarding. Like at the end of the day, when you finish building a project, you say that you have a fingerprint on that building or that that water treatment plant or the bridge, that to me is so fulfilling. Right, Kayla? Yeah, absolutely. So Manitoba Women in Construction actually holds an event for grades four to six where we bring in um, young girls to the Winnipeg Construction Association and teach them some trades. They get some hand-on experience, whether it be soldering pipe or laying masonry. Um, And it's really fantastic because studies show that you need to catch young girls at that age um, because if they don't have a most likely male mentor in their life that is already in the construction industry, they're not going to see that as a viable option for a career. So we're bringing them in um, to show them that it is possible to have a successful um, career within the construction industry. And we've seen that with math, science, Mm -hmm. and uh, other vocations as well. It's important that that kids know at that certain age that, hey, this is genuinely an option for you. And Mm -hmm. so uh, for you to take that step, I think, is is outstanding. This is exciting stuff. How can people get involved and how do they reach out to you? Uh, They can visit our website. Uh, We've got 622 members. So go onto our website, www.com. 
mbwomaninconstruction.com and click to join our members. Uh, we host three education events, three social networking events, and networking is so important in every industry. So I think that's a great way to, to introduce yourself and uh, get to know us. And you're also on social media. I saw that you actually uh, tagged us on your Instagram. It's just MWC underscore build. That's and you're right. on Facebook as well. As, that's right. Uh, I think it's, M- uh, it's Manitoba Women in Construction. Yeah. Sue Lee is the chair of Manitoba Women in Construction, and she's project manager at Mar West Construction Limited. And Kayla Gervais, membership director and of Manitoba Women Women in Construction, pardon me, project coordinator with Boxstall Construction. Sue and Kayla, thanks for coming in. Thank you for having us. Thanks so much. Mackling, McGarry, and McNabb. McNabb is at the RBC Convention Center today hosting a breakfast for Habitat for Humanity Manitoba. We're going to talk more about the budget in a moment, and we're going to tell you where Greg is going to be later today. But I want to read a text message, as it is also International Women's Day today. And one of our listeners, a little earlier this morning at 7.33, sent the following text to 204-780-6868. Huge shout-out to a young lady whose husband left her two weeks before her second son was born. Her other son was only 15 months old. The younger son is now almost one and a half years old. This young mom is now back in university part-time, trying to finish her degree, as well as care for her two young children. She is such a strong lady. Those boys have such a strong role model in their mommy. What complicates things is I am proud that she is the mother of my grandsons. Yes, it is my son who left her. Makes it very complicated for this mom and grandmother. I am supporting both, but that gets pretty touchy at times. I read that text message, and it wasn't until you read it out loud just now that I understood the context and the relationship there. So I think there's another woman, another strong woman that we need to give a shout out to, and that's the lady who sent us that text message. Wow, that's what a great example you're being for lots of different people, men and women. Thank you very much for sharing that story with us. We appreciate that. Two movies out this weekend, one huge, one not so huge, but still looks very impressive, particularly on a big screen. But let's start with the big one. So, scrolls are the bad guys. And you're a Kree, a race of noble warriors. Heroes. Noble warrior heroes. Just in time for International Women's Day, the first movie in the Marvel Cinematic Universe with a female lead has arrived. Brie Larson is Captain Marvel. Your life began the day it nearly ended. We found you. With no memory, we made you one of us. So you could live longer, stronger, superior. You were reborn. The people behind these movies say Captain Marvel is the most powerful hero in the MCU. She's the one Samuel L. Jackson's Nick Fury paged at the end of Avengers Infinity War before he turned to dust. Who is Captain Marvel? Well, her name is Carol Danvers, former pilot in the U.S. Air Force. She ends up in space and gets taken in by a race called the Kree. She's given cosmic power. She's got strength, speed. She can fly and fire energy blasts from her hands. In other words, she's pretty cool. 
had a life here. What aren't you telling me? You've come a long way. But you're not as strong as you think. Not going to bother getting into the details of the plot, except for Earth ends up in the middle of an intergalactic war between the Kree and the Skrulls. And Captain Marvel is going to save the day. It's set in the 90s, so it's a prequel of sorts, introducing us to the character before she hopefully saves the day in Avengers Endgame when that arrives April 24th. In the meantime, Captain Marvel is getting solid reviews and looks like a ton of fun. This war is just the beginning. I'm not going to fight your war. I'm gonna end it. Here's the thing with Captain Marvel. Of course, because it's a female-led superhero movie, mm -hmm. there are some nerds and trolls out there who are not particularly happy. 81% rating on Rotten Tomatoes, by the way. But yeah, there's actually a lot of hate for not so much the movie, I think, but specifically for Brie Larson because she's kind of been on this... Uh, She's been saying that she doesn't care what the 40-year-old white man has to say. If you don't like the movie, well, whatever. I, it's not made for you. She started that last year talking about A Wrinkle in Time, so some guys are saying, well, that's sexist and racist and et cetera, et cetera. I'm not, I will say I'm not entirely sure why she feels like she has to beat that drum, but I do respect that she's encouraging inclusivity because mm -hmm. uh, I'm a 41-year-old white guy, and I'm going to go see the movie. She's talking right to you, right? Yeah, I'm going to go see it, and I, I hope to love it. I love everything Marvel does and i think it's it's awesome that on international women's day they've released this movie that features a woman features a character who is basically the most powerful being in the marvel cinematic universe so i think that's great for the female audience out there for little girls to have this hero that they can put up on their wall that poster on their wall and say that's the baddest the baddest dude at in the marvel universe so i think that's tremendous also new in theaters a documentary with a 100% Rotten Tomatoes score. Great. Now I'm going to have to go see this. Apollo 11. The whole Apollo program was designed to get two Americans to the lunar surface and back again to Earth safely. The enormity of this event is something that only history will be able to judge. Apollo 11 has very simply been given the mission of carrying men to the moon landing them there, and bringing them safely back. This documentary features never-before-seen footage of the mission to land on the moon. Glowing reviews across the board. Looks like it's going to be a real treat on the big screen. I always use, or always did use, in job interviews, that scene where they take the box of stuff, and they throw it out on the table, and they go, this is what we have on the lem. You need to make an oxygen scrubber out of this stuff. And I always say... I would have been one of the guys I, that would, I would have figured out how to do that. Oh yeah, yeah. That was. There's always a way, and that that movie resonates with me now and forever. That uh, that was Apollo 13, right? Yeah, Apollo 13. Oh yeah, this is Apollo 11. Yeah, never mind. No, no, it's never a, mind. It's a good point though. <laughs> you you it's would a be the guy. Mission. You would be the guy to figure that oh. how how to make the 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 filter. It's the oxygen. Sorry, Brett. Hey, don't be sorry. It's it's going to be cool uh, on the big screen. We start this hour, Greg Mackling, once again with the budget. Canadian Taxpayers Federation Prairie Director Todd McKay joined us live yesterday. He was excited and hopeful. And Todd, this morning, how do you feel? Oh, man, I feel great. 
I feel uh, I'm looking back at yesterday. I was like, man, did I actually open that present? Did we get, uh, get Christmas come early? We get that PST cut. It happened. I checked again. It's happening. It's coming in uh, July. We're super excited about it. Now you you referenced uh, new, like a new bicycle, hoping for a new bicycle. Are there streamers coming off the handlebars on this bicycle you got yesterday? It's everything I hope for. We're going to be, uh, you know, it, listen, this is a huge thing. This is about $500 for an average family every year. That's a lot of money. That's the kind of money you can use to pay down your mortgage faster or, uh, or you know, stash away a little bit extra in your RRSP. But it's also money that uh, small businesses can put right back into the business, hire people, get more Manitobans working, grow the economy. So Manitobans have been waiting for this for a long time. It's great to see it finally happen. Sorry, Todd. Uh, so for years, the, the, the Conservatives, when they were in opposition and, and on the campaign trailer, were, were telling us how critical it was to reduce the deficit. And if my math is correct, uh, the province right now is forecasting a deficit of $360 million. They essentially could have ran a zero-deficit budget here without reducing the PST, that $325 million or so. So I'll ask it to you this way. What's better for the province of Manitoba, a zero-deficit budget or a 7% PST? Well, I think they've got to get the PST down. That has to happen now. And uh, when you look at it uh, from the start of their uh, this government's mandate, they needed to get a hold of the runaway uh, uh, deficit first. That was critically important. We had bond rating agencies saying, don't know if you can even trust uh, uh, Manitoba's debt. That's a huge issue. So they had to deal with that first. But Manitobans also needed tax relief. It's more than, it's not like Manitobans just spend that money on, you know, beer and popcorn or something. Not that there's anything wrong with that, but that's not what, that's not the only thing that happens. It also makes the province more competitive. It grows the province. You get more people uh, working. And that's also how you fund schools and hospitals. You have to be able to do the same thing, uh, two things at the same time. Growing the economy will help shrink the deficit. Uh, now it's the right time to do it. And, uh, man, I'm really happy that they're doing it ahead of schedule. Now, Todd McKay with the Canadian Taxpayers Federation, many are saying that reducing the PST is going to mean lost revenue and then they're going to have to cut services. So what do you say to those critics who are unhappy with the cut? Well, let's say a couple of things. You know, first of all, it's, it is uh, tight in government. It's been tight for a while. Uh, and that is tough. But at the same time, government spending continues to rise. Uh, I think it's important to keep that in mind. But also, on the flip side of that, why is it the government uh, can never spare a single dollar, but you can stick taxpayers with a broken promise uh, uh, tax hike for years and years and make them pay it? You know, I don't know that there's a lot more room in a lot of family budgets than there is in the government budget. It is tough to uh, show res- uh, uh, fiscal restraint for a government. They've got to do it. They're doing a pretty good job of it. There's more they could do, but I think it's time for uh, taxpayers to get a little bit of relief as well. So if the government continues on its trajectory, and, and yesterday we heard a balanced budget towards the end of the, of the second term, assuming that this government gets a second term and all sorts of speculation about an early election, we won't talk about this, but what should be the next priority? Now, you know, we've got uh, 364 days, give or take, towards the, the next budget, what would sh- should we be looking for in terms of priorities from, from the government as we head to their next budget and through the next year? You know, that's a really important question. I think as much as I'm, I'm happy about the PST cut, and that was really important, make no mistake, this, this isn't a mission accomplished kind of situation. The job isn't done. You can't just, you know, dust your hands off and walk away. 
Manitoba still has uh, major issues to deal with. So there's the operational budget. That's the $360 million deficit that we still see there. Need to get that balanced. That's just making sure you, you're paying to keep the lights on and make your payments on debt. So they need to deal with that. But when you look at the overall debt numbers, uh, Manitoba's provincial debt will go up by almost a billion dollars this year because they're continuing to borrow for other things uh, in infrastructure. The debt keeps going up. And as a result, you've got uh, more than a billion dollars in interest payments uh, on the debt. That's an awful lot of money. You know, that's, uh, that's way more money than a lot of school divisions uh, uh, have in their total budget. So we still need to see that restraint. We still need to see that discipline. It's just like the rest of us. Once we got our credit cards under control, we still need to take, uh, take care of our fiscal uh, uh, plans and make sure that we stay on track. That's really what we're seeing here. The government needs to take really strong action to get the debt going back down. But that's sort of a couple of steps away. We need this tax relief, and we need to get the uh, the operational budget balance first. Todd McKay is the Prairie Director of the Canadian Tax Federation, Taxpayers Federation, joining us live on 680 CJOB. Todd, thank you, sir. Hey, thanks for having me. In a moment, we're going to talk budget with Richard Cloutier. But before we get to that, we mentioned that there's some interesting news from The Simpsons as it relates, Greg Mackling, to Michael Jackson. Yeah, this is in Variety magazine. And uh, here's the headline, Michael Jackson episode removed from The Simpsons. The Simpsons episode, Stark Raving Dad, is considered one of the most iconic episodes from the show's early run. But it will now be harder for fans to view. Michael Jackson infamously provided a voice for the episode, which aired as the show's season three premiere back in September 1991. And this obviously stems to the uh, the allegations from the HBO documentary Leaving Neverland. The Simpsons producers have decided to pull the episode from rotation. Radio stations across the around the world really are faced with a real dilemma right now. Do we pull the music? or do we keep it in the run? So we'll have to continue to just watch to see what happens with those radio stations. In the meantime, he was in lockup waiting to see what happened with the provincial budget. We just saw him on Global News Morning. Richard Cloutier, co-host of the News on 680 CJOB, joining us live now from 201 Portage. Richard, good morning, sir. Hey, guys, good morning. So budget, PST going down. What was your reaction when you saw that they were dropping it to 7%? Not too surprised in the sense that you knew it was tracking that way and giving the fact that next year we're expecting an economic downturn. And my reaction was, all right, let's get set for a provincial election. And I think that they could go anytime soon, depending on the flood forecast, depending on uh, really in the next week, uh, how much snow they get south of the border and whether or not that system that uh, Mike Conkin has been predicting for Tuesday materializes. So uh, I, I think that we are in a setup for an early call for a provincial election. The the province's premier didn't really agree with you on that, saying that's uh, that's your conversation, not his. Yeah, and I don't expect him to come out and say, "Yep, yeah, we're going to go to the uh, to the people right away." But I think that this lays the groundwork for that. Uh, when you look at governments looking for another mandate, it's all about checking the boxes: reduce the PST check reduce ambulance fees check get a handle on the deficit check and frankly they're going to be faced with some tough decisions in the years ahead on health care what's going on behind the scenes right now is a total revamp of health care 
the closure or the conversion here in Winnipeg is just a, a, a you know a, a snippet of what's going on in the healthcare system, and I think that they want to be able to get a mandate from the people to continue the changes that they've been doing. And then perhaps on the healthcare side, the tough medicine would come you know, over the next couple of years after they get uh, they get reelected. And uh, education, of course, is undergoing a gigantic review. We just put up a new question of the day. We, we rephrased it somewhat from the way it was being asked uh, over the overnight and into yesterday afternoon and evening. Here's what we're asking now. The PST cut to 7% means $325 million in reduced revenue for the province. The province should have, your options are done exactly what it did, put the money towards the deficit, or use the money for roads. Were you surprised that they didn't put towards the deficit? Because they could essentially have run a zero deficit budget with that money going towards that, Rich. And then what? Um, So the whole idea here is to get spending under control, and they've essentially done that. Uh, And the fact is, is that I think we're headed into a bit of an economic downturn next year. So you balance the budget this year. Um, What do you do to basically outdo that in an election year? So Mm. I I, I understand the rationale here. And the fact is, in a $7.6 billion budget, over a billion dollar goes towards servicing our debt. So we still need to get a handle on that. But uh, when you look at the, the economy, our ratio of debt to GDP, we're pretty good. We're in pretty good shape here. So I think like anything else, when you're talking government, it's a balancing act. How much do you squirrel away in the rainy day fund? And they did put money in the rainy day fund just in case they have to deal with uh, a catastrophic flood. So a lot of the economic analysts that we talked to, including uh, including Evelyn Jacks of the Knowledge Bureau, say, yeah, the, the, the finances here are on track. Where we still struggle in this province is on the income tax side, on the bracket side, on the competitiveness side with uh, our Western neighbors. And the Premier in our interview yesterday afternoon acknowledged that, that at some point they're going to have to try to chip away at that even more. Tensions between the city and province, do you think those will continue? Yes, absolutely. I think... Uh, I suggested to the Premier that perhaps Mayor Bowman needs to take a a chapter from Mark Chipman when we were talking about trying to get back into the NHL, and Chipman stood uh, to the script. He he stood by that script of just saying, yeah, we're very hopeful, and said nothing else. I think that uh, there are two personalities. They don't get along, and I think the Premier is just looking for Bowman just to, you know, to be frank, to, to shut up. And just, you know, play ball with, uh, with the provincial government. And I think given the fact that the feds are into uh, trying to spend our tax dollars in infrastructure, I think that there'll be more projects coming down in the weeks and months ahead. Uh, as the province negotiates with the federal government for some infrastructure deals. Frank analysis from our good friend and colleague, Richard Cloutier. Thank you, Mr. Cloutier. You bet. Richard Cloutier, co-host of the news, 4 to 7, weekdays on 680 CJOB with Julie Buckingham. He also co-anchored yesterday's budget coverage from the legislature with our very own Loren McNabb. Question of the day at cjob.com. Brought to you by Credit Aid, helping Manitobans get out of debt since 1992. Visit creditaid.ca, call 204-987-6890. The PST cut to 7% means $325 million in reduced revenue. The province should have, and so far, 52% say 
province should have done exactly what it did. 33% say use the money for roads. 14% say put the money towards the deficit. Log on to CJOB.com and cast your vote in the question of the day. I would suspect uh, that Chris Lawrence, president of the Manitoba Heavy Construction Association, might uh, vote on the option to use the money for roads. Chris Lawrence, steady as she goes, $350 million investment. The PST going down, it went, went up to largely spend on infrastructure. There's that one-time fund of $45 million and an extra $10 million coming out in this budget year. What's your reaction to what you've heard so far today? Well, I think, sadly, it's a missed opportunity, Richard. Um, the, the provincial global investment deficit in core municipal and provincial highways infrastructure is in the vicinity of $22 billion. Uh, the province has not made any indication that I heard this afternoon of any increase, for example, to the city of Winnipeg. There was nothing about the $40 million gap that the city is facing. There was no indication of any multi-year long-term replacement agreement with which Manitoba would cost share funding Winnipeg's infrastructure. No indication whatsoever that the highways program would be increased. The only increase is associated with a kind of a feel-good program for our 150th birthday, a one-time uh, amount of $45 billion, the details of which are not yet known. So that's P- Chris Lawrence, the president of the Manitoba Heavy Construction Association, calling this budget a missed opportunity. That's why we included it on the list of options on the question of the day, because about $325 million, that's the revenue generated from one percentage point of GST, could have built an interchange on the perimeter highway. You and I have had this discussion probably since the second show we ever did together. Our frustration with the number of traffic signals on that particular stretch of infrastructure, Brett. And for me, that is a big, that should be a very big priority for the province of Manitoba. I would have preferred them to say, we're going to keep the PST where it is, but here's what we're going to do. We're going to build an an interchange a year along the perimeter highway. Pick your infrastructure project of choice, and here's what we're going to do over the next seven years. Here's our plan, and this is how we're going to pay for it. Yeah, I actually was heading up Highway 59, Lajemodier, north, to go to the perimeter. I was on my way out to West St. Paul and just instinctively out of habit got in the left lane to make a left turn there, and then as I was approaching, I... I thought, oh, hang on, like this is a cloverleaf now. I hadn't actually used it yet, and it felt pretty cool. It, it felt is. Nice. It is. I use it all the time. And the last time I went through there, my father-in-law was in the vehicle with me, and I said, it doesn't feel busy here anymore. It's not jam-packed. You're yeah. not deking in and around people anymore. There's no. There's this frustration level has gone way down. And I think the the lousy infrastructure, street infrastructure that we have in Winnipeg contributes a lot to us running red lights, to us speeding, and doing the things that we shouldn't be doing. Yeah, and earlier this week, in fact, we had a conversation about how Google Maps now sends you alerts when you're approaching a photo radar. Uh, That's something fairly recent. One of our colleagues, Kim Lawson, our executive producer, got the alert McNabb went on a little scavenger hunt uh, that morning. I think it was Tuesday morning. She was trying to get an alert. She activated her Google Maps and punched in the address of where she was going, but none of them went off. Uh, So we were getting mixed results on that. Listeners were saying that they were getting the results or that they were getting the alerts. But then we, we talked about an app 
called Trap Spy. And this was in the news over the holidays because it's a, it's a locally made app that will also tell you where check stops are. And I believe I made the comment that I, I had the app and then I deleted it because I just felt kind of dirty about that. I should point out, though, in hindsight, that's actually not why I deleted the app. I mm. deleted it because of its permissions. It needs access to your identity. So that just kind of spooked me. I didn't look fully into that, and I wasn't trying to condemn the app or anybody who uses it. And McNabb made the great point. She says she does see value in the check stop alerts because if you're in a rush to get somewhere, you don't want to get stopped in a check stop. If you haven't been drinking, you just want to get to where you're going. So there is value in that, but if you're using it for the purpose of avoiding a check stop, if you've been drinking and you're driving. If, if you have that information, it would be pretty tough to ignore it. Yeah. Regardless of whether you've had one glass of wine or more. Yeah. So we talked about it and Traps by heard our conversation and they actually reached out to Loren and the email reads as follows. And we've since had a dialogue. We invited them to come on our show this morning and they, they, they politely declined. But they said, we heard your applause this morning for Google's archaic release of red light cam alerts, which, as you point out, didn't work. We call it archaic since TrapSpy already has permanent audio alerts for every red light cam and photo-enforced school, playground, and construction zone in Winnipeg. Google doesn't have school zones. What's more, TrapSpy audio alerts also play the correct speed limit for the zone you're entering, including 30 kilometer an hour school zones. The alerts are completely hands-free. They don't require you to look at your phone and... This innovation effectively transfers the speed limit sign from the driver's eye to the ears, allowing drivers to keep their eyes on what matters, the road, traffic, pedestrians around them. And just moving on a little bit here, they they said, in closing, we challenge your morning crew with some tough questions here. And this is in relation to the check stop, because they say you can turn off the notification so you don't get the check stop alerts. Okay. You can disable that if you don't want that on your feature. So I'll I'll put these questions to you, Greg. A grocery store sells some items you dislike. Does this cause you to avoid every grocery store or only buy the items within the store you like? No, typically not. No, it's a valid valid question, valid point, and uh, impossible for the most part to boycott an entire grocery store based on a handful of items. Twitter, which multiple members of your crew is on, allows accounts from many bad people. Do you abstain from the whole Twitter platform due to this or still use it with only the features and people you like? Yeah, mute. I unfollow people that I don't like what they're saying. So that feature, I, I use the technology to benefit me as much as I can. So another point made. Check stops have been posted on Facebook around the world for a decade. Does this make Facebook bad in its entirety or can you embrace it for the parts you like and enjoy? I'm doing my best to (laughs) (laughs) wean myself off of Facebook altogether because of things like that. Uh, But once again, uh, the platform for most people has, has seen as having more benefit than than negative although the, the the tide is changing on that so these are they're valid questions they from really the guys are. at trap spy and and again when i when i made my comment the other day that i deleted the app because i felt kind of dirty I, well, I did make it clear i'm not condemning anybody who uses the app i just didn't want to use it but i didn't re- like i downloaded it for a couple of hours i didn't look into the app i do like the idea of getting alerts that hey there there's a 
speed zone coming up. Sometimes, as I pointed out, sometimes you drive into a school zone and you blow right past the sign, not because you're not paying attention, but we just kind of get into that sort of drone, like when you get to your destination and you don't remember how you got there. Sometimes you just kind of go into autopilot. So that the audio reminder, I think, would be helpful just as, as the backup. It's like, oh. Yeah, thank you well, for the reminder. Well, speaking of backup, how many of us that have backup sensors on our vehicles would hand those in? You can turn them off on your vehicle. I don't know why you would. Maybe the only time I could think of turning it off is when I'm putting a trailer on the back of my vehicle, and then I don't really need that. But other than that, I don't think I would ever insists that the vehicle manufacturers take away the backup sensors. It's brilliant technology. Yeah, so I think I'm going to give this app another look. And again, it's made by guys right here in Manitoba. And they did also, I asked them point blank about the identity thing. They sent me, they're like, actually, a lot of people ask us about that. And here's some information on that and what it needs. So I'm going to take a closer look at that. So I just want to thank them for reaching out to us. I think they were a little perturbed. And then when we replied to them, they're like, oh... You guys Thanks are actually, for responding. You want to have a converse, a genuine conversation That's with us. what we do here. So they say they can't come on right now, but hopefully in the coming weeks they can, will join us here on The Star to talk more about their app. Hey, thanks for listening to The Start Podcast. We are available on Apple Podcast, Google Podcast, wherever you find your favorite podcasts. Subscribe now and never miss an episode. And if you like what you hear, rate the show, tell us what you think. And hey, even tell a friend about the podcast. Be sure to follow us on Twitter and Instagram. Greg is at GMACWPG. That's G-M-A-C-K-W-P-G. I am at Brett McGarry, B-R-E-T-T-M-E-G-A-R-R-Y. And Loren on Twitter is at McNab on Global. And on Instagram, at McNab on C-J-O-B. Talk soon. 911 what's your emergency ah, i'm on a cruise ship ah, there was an explosion oh my god this ship is sinking i can't get out there's water everywhere we're going down i've got a lock on your location stay with me hurry hurry hello are you there help is on the way angela bassett and peter krause would turn in